As we gather again here tonight, I just want to say thank you for coming here during a Packer game. I think it's just actually a miracle. I was expecting maybe five people to come here tonight. Um, and I just think it's, uh, it's really interesting how Jesus says, you know, make, your, make friends with dishonest wealth. And the only thing I could, I could think of, like, what would make sense of that is, like, could you imagine, like, a Bears fan and a Packers fan actually being friends? It's almost like one of those impossible things. Like, I, I don't understand how I could really be a Bears fan. It's just kind of like one of those things that goes through my head. You keep losing. You have a quarterback every, like, I don't know, four games. And you think it's going to work. It's like, just be a Packer fan and do it right, right? So I just want to like, uh, say just, um, you know, it's, it's like these impossibilities. But the Lord speaks to us in truth, and that's how I heard it. Or just imagine maybe, like, a, a Brewers fan being a, a, fan, a friend with a Cubs fan. It's just not going to work. It's like oil and water. So why even try? And he's talking about making friends with dishonest wealth. What is he talking about? Because sometimes it doesn't make much sense, but... Um, Jesus challenged us to look at things honestly, like just to be real with him, with how much we trust him. So the whole homily today is about trust. He says a person who is trustworthy in very small matters is also trustworthy in great ones. And the person who is dishonest in very small matters is also dishonest in great ones. That's logical. I get that. I remember how, just reflecting on this, how my parents, uh, how, how they raised me. And like when I was growing up, I just love chocolate chip cookies. And I'm going to talk about food today, so if I make you hungry, I apologize. Um, but when I watched my mom when I was like two or, three year old, two or three years old making chocolate chip cookies, I really just enjoyed eating the cookie dough. Like, it was my favorite thing to do. But then eventually, uh, I wanted to learn how to make the cookies myself, right? So she, what my mom would do is she'd put a chair like right up to the countertop, and she'd stand behind me and, and take the measuring cup and say, this is brown sugar. And then we'd put her hand into the brown sugar and she would take a butter knife and just smooth it off and, and put you know, the butter and the brown sugar together because you don't mix everything at once. Um, but she would stay behind me so I wouldn't fall off because I, I fell off quite often because I get distracted. Um, but she would just teach me how to make those, those little advances and eventually I could make my own cookies. When older, I, I like to do that on my own. Uh, well, except for one time. I don't know if you've ever been to like a, the mall where they have like the cookie shop, you know? And you walk past it and you smell it. And it's almost like when you go to the Chinese, place, the Chinese food place, they say, yummy, yummy chicken. And you got to go get the food. This is how I felt when I went there. And I wanted to learn how to make those, those sugar cookies, the one with the M&Ms in them. And we had those before. But I thought it would be a good idea to try to make sugar cookies one time with Skittles. Now, not the best idea I ever had in my life. It didn't work so well. Um, I lost my baking privileges for a little bit because my mom's like, this tastes like toothpaste, you know? But like, uh, but eventually she, she gave me privilege back and said, just stick to chocolate chip cookies. It works fine. Don't change the recipe. But it was the same for my dad. He, he liked to, his thing to do to get us out of bed to go to mass on Sundays was actually to, to play uh, awful old country music, which I like country now, but then I didn't. And then he'd also make pancakes and it would just smell amazing. And I, I would, it would get me out of bed and I would just go watch him make pancakes and he would say, you know, like this, this is really dangerous. So don't, don't touch the skillet because it, really, it can really burn you. But then he, he'd eventually teach me how to use the, the hand mixer and how to hold the bowl. And he'd do the same thing my mom did, stand right behind me to make sure I didn't fall off. But he'd teach me the, the dangers and say, this, this, is, this can really hurt you. And a few times, once I started doing it myself, I made a mess and he took the privilege away. And I didn't clean up and he said, you, you can't make pancakes anymore. You're making a mess, but you're not cleaning up after yourself. But one day I had this genius idea to actually add a pinch of cinnamon to the pancakes and the aroma in the house was the best. And everyone thought I was a genius. And my older brothers and sisters got out of bed and they knew how much, how much they wanted to have pancakes because they always wanted me to make them from now on. And as, as the youngest in my family, I really love that because they just like made fun of me like crazy when I was a kid. 
But in essence, responsibility was given to me, but a few times it was taken away. Just to push the point further, Jesus challenges us and he says, no servant can serve two masters. He will either hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. I hear what he's saying, but I, I don't know what mammon is. So I, I looked it up, and mammon is actually serving money, wealth. You have a, you have a disorder towards wealth, and, and, and you can even turn to greed. And maybe just ask yourself, like right now, like how many of your decisions that you make day to day are based on how much money you do have or you don't have? You know, either to get more money or not having enough money. Maybe you just even ask yourself, have I ever skip mass to go to work on Sunday out of fear of not having enough money or thinking I need more money. Like Jesus cuts to the heart of a lot of us to see if we really trust him. And one way of saying, if you, if you say, no, I do trust Jesus, I, I do, then I would say, go to someone you trust and show them your bank statement. Like, does your money really say that you trust him? Or, like, is, is your money going towards material items? And I'm not, I'm not saying material items are bad. Is it going towards alcohol, food, or even useless hobbies that maybe in 100 years no one will even care about, or 1,000 years, it won't make a difference, but you think it's important? If you spend a lot of money on Fortnite, I'm just saying, like, just quit now. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just a waste of time, right? Or is it just clear that Jesus is king? Like, he's really Lord, that he's in control, and you trust him, that he's your master, He's the one who, as we said last week, left the 99 and came just after you, just for you, by name. And again, he's the one also who gave you the talent to make the money. So it's just a response to say, thank you, Lord, how can I use that money wisely? And the more you entrust your financial life to Jesus, another thing is that it's the more he's going to bless you. The truth is that you can't outdo God in generosity. Sometimes we think we can, and it's always, it's always a choice. It's always a decision. And that's, again, what we're talking about virtues right now in this, in this series we're doing called Cheat Coding College because a lot of us, we've just done things that are, are not so hot. They're not good decisions, right? Like me trying to make Skittle cookies. Don't ever do it. Uh, but virtues help us love what we call integrated lives. You know, Cheat Coding College is, is just looking at different ways to, um, to, to not make it so hard. Like the Lord's given us virtues, choices to make. And like we've looked at prudence. So prudence is, you know, look at, look at where I'm going asking the question, is this really worth it? I wish I would have asked that question when I made Skittle cookies, right? Justice says to, to love people and use things. We talked about last week how, you know, sin just, we, we, we love things and we use people. But today we're going to look at the cardinal virtue of temperance, also known as moderation. And this is like a really, really humbling virtue. Because a lot of us, you know, because we're prideful and we haven't had any formation what happens is we live disintegrated lives. A disintegrated life sounds like this, interiorly. Life is just a bunch of hoops to jump through. It's just, I just got to check these boxes and I'll, I'll be done and out, out of school in four or five years or for those of us who are special, eight years, right, or seven years. But the virtue of temperance actually changes your interior dialogue to sound like, instead of saying, I have to do these things, it's, it begins to sound like, I get to. My interior dialogue actually sounds more healthy. And so instead of saying like, I have to go to class, I have to go to practice, I have to go to this meeting, I have to go to that meeting. It's now through understanding what integrated life looks like. It's I get to. Like I actually get to go to mass. I actually get to go to Bible study. I get to work out. 
So when we look at temperance, what temperance does is it balances us. The virtue of temperance in the, in the Catechism 1809 says, temperance is the moral virtue that moderates the attraction of pleasure and provides balance in the use of created goods. So just maybe by a raising of your hands, and I'm literally asking you to raise your hands because this morning they're half asleep. Um, in the last like five years, have you said, I would just like more balance in my life? Like who has not said that? So if that's you, this, this virtue is just for you to work on this virtue. It actually ensures that you can actually master your instincts and keep your desires from, from being excessive. And temperance also asks the questions like, if I keep drinking or I keep eating or keep scrolling, is this actually going to hurt me and hurt others? And when it gets excessive, I can't even stop it. I get enslaved. And then I'm in big trouble. So when I was in seminary for, formation, so seminaries where you, where you go to study to be a priest, during the summer times, uh, we would actually go do different assignments. And one of my summers, I went to Guatemala. And I realized how prideful it is. Like, if you want to kill a virtuous life, just be prideful. I was in Guatemala to learn to speak Spanish. And I was easily frustrated because, would you know it, after three days, I didn't understand the language yet. I thought I would have gotten it. And I didn't understand it. And I, I began just to feel incredibly, incredibly frustrated. Yet I was, I was actually building a foundation of trust in my teacher. Over time, little by little, as we learned in Spanish, poco poco, I began to understand, and what happened was the frustration, discouragement, began to disappear. Temperance actually taught me to focus on the little victories I was making and stop trying to understand everything right away and stop expecting perfection the first time I tried something new. Yet what actually motivated me not to quit was not myself. You don't know it, but I was actually thinking of you. When I was a priest, I was always thinking, like, where are they going to send me? Who am I going to be preaching to? So it motivated me to be more moderate and to kind of live a more balanced life. I was actually thinking about who am I being able to share this good news with? And also thinking of the people that are sacrificing for me. So there's people who, who pray like crazy for men to say yes to the call to the priesthood. And they, they fast and they, they offer up sacrifices financially. They pray rosaries. And I prayed to honor them and trust that God would give me the grace. And when I was really, really struggling in finding myself getting a little more prideful, I'd even ask God for the gift of tongues. So that's like a spiritual gift. Never happened, by the way, Jesus. If you want to give me the gift of tongues, I'd appreciate that. Um, amen. But the truth is, uh, I had to learn and learn again and begin again and start over little by little. Maybe just ask yourself, when's the last time you found yourself really frustrated or discouraged or overwhelmed? When I was in Guatemala, it just, that, that turned into a, very, like, a lot of negativity. But what changed was actually having virtuous friends, people who were, who were in the same program as me, and some of them were in their second round of doing it, and they knew a little more Spanish than me, someone who was a little bit ahead of me, and they actually would encourage me and say, Zach, you're actually getting it. Stop being so hard on yourself. You're actually improving, and I couldn't see it. I'd stumbled, but those friends would help me, and I learned a simple lesson. At times, I didn't even know I was progressing. Yet what I needed was a little encouragement. And it's just amazing, guys, how, much, how, how little encouragement you need to actually get out of the darkness of frustration. The same way when I, when I had a trainer in, in seminary. I, I would see a trainer, and I learned how to box. 
I didn't pick it up as fast as I wanted to. I figured as a college athlete, I should be able to pick this up no problem, but that the steps and the, and the moves and the, the dance of, of boxing, it really frustrated me. And often my trainer would say to me, Zach, take a deep breath. Because I'd have like steam coming out of my ears, right? And he would say, you're just so hard on yourself. And one other thing that always helps me overcome, overcome things is, is having healthy guilt. Um, for those of you who know the missionaries of the word, there are a group of religious sisters in our diocese. Sister Bernadette was at our, at our Newman Center last year, and she was walking around and looking at everything, and then she got to my office, and she's like, ooh, Father, your office is kind of a mess. Um, religious sisters have a way of making priests do things faster, and it, and it was interesting how it took me like an hour to clean my office, but if I would just take like five minutes a day and just clean my office, I wouldn't have to spend that hour doing that cleaning. What did I need? And what, what do you and all, you all most likely need? You need a mentor. Someone who's lived a more balanced life than you have and who would actually encourage you and tell you and even show you a better way of life. In college, moderation and temperance could help a lot of us. Maybe you're thinking like, well, what about drinking? Because everyone does it at Oshkosh, right? Let's, like, let's just like be honest with that. On a side note, a staff member here told me Oshkosh is a dry campus. I thought it was a joke. I was like, what? Come on, let's be real. Um, so just so, you, just so you know, the Catholic Church does not condemn alcohol. Yet people often drink too much and they make poor decisions left and right because they don't have good mentors, they don't have good friends, right? I think for, I think for a lot of us, we just need to be told, like, what's a better way? When I was in seminary, I had a, I had a priest friend, Father Schuster, and he just said, maybe just only have two drinks. Literally never thought of that, right? And I was like, okay, I can do that. What about social media temperance? One of my friends, he, what he does is he only checks social media on Sundays. It's something he only does on Sundays. What does it all come down to is, is, is do you trust Jesus? And what is needed is temperance, but a whole lot of patience. We all need to be patient with ourselves and with others. And the thing is, Jesus will never rush you. He's always inviting you a deeper sense of holiness in him. But think about virtues, that those are things you can work on. You can actually work on those things. But the thing is, he's the one who's never going to quit on you. You'll quit on yourself left and right. But he'll keep calling you by name back to himself again and again and again to do simple things, to do little things well. But over time, those little changes will lead to a, a bigger difference in your life. And that means, even when I look at the guys I live with at the men's house, I, I just have one expectation of them. So I figure they're going to pay their rent, right? So I have one expectation. It's just make your bed every day. Like if you can't even make your bed every day, like what does the rest of your life look like? But the reason why I ask them to make their bed every day is actually to honor the poor who don't have a bed. Like we have people in our world today that don't have a house and they walk around homeless. And what I ask those guys to do is really live a balanced life by starting your day off right by making your bed first thing. Jesus is saying, like, do you trust me? The person who is trustworthy in very small matters, says Jesus, is also trustworthy in great ones. Like, if you can't make your bed, like, I don't know what I can do with you, right? Why can't you just start? Why not start there? He also says, no servant can serve, serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other, or he'll despise one and honor the other. Again, mammon is a disordered uh, desire for wealth. And you and I 
need to know that Jesus cuts right to the heart because he sees potential in us. So this week, and every week I've been giving you a challenge, this week's challenge is very small, but I think it's going to help you find more balance. One thing that's very popular at the, at the, at the um, Newman Center, I'll give you a copy as you leave today, is the litany of trust. And I, I want to I challenge you to pray at least once a day. Like, if you can't do it once a day, like, your life needs a little help, right? Like, before, you, maybe think about praying it first thing when you wake up or before you go to bed or maybe before you take an exam, before you go to practice, before you go to Bible study, or even when you're straight up tempted to sin or do something really stupid or immoderate, as we'd say. But again, virtues are choices. You have free will. You can do whatever you want to do. But if you get frustrated and you're, and you're struggling with even at the point of rage at times, this is something I'd really encourage you to do. And the litany of trust is a great way to start just little by little and grow in the virtue of temperance. It also leads to perseverance. And we're going to pray the, the litany of trust right now. And whatever part stands out to you is just simply an invitation from Jesus of saying something he wants to deliver you from. And as we're going to pray is the Lord's deliver me, Jesus. We're actually asking Jesus to unbind us. Some of us, due to sin and different things that have happened to us or things we've done, we're literally slaves. Like that's what Jesus came is to, is to set captives free. Some people say to me, well, Father, I don't think drinking is a big deal. I don't think smoking is a big deal. I don't think being on social media is all a big deal. Then I'm like, okay, cool. Then just stop. Well, I, I can't just stop, can I? The grace of God, yeah. And we're asking him to break those chains and break those bonds to open the doors to live a more virtuous life that is a balanced life. And you all raise your hand and said, I've asked for that. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray this first part to say, and your response is, deliver me, Jesus. And the second part is, Jesus, I trust in you. And even just saying the name Jesus, like it really just hits the devil right in the head and it knocks him over. He hates the name of Jesus. So we're going to pray this. And again, anyone that's, any part of this that stands out to you is an invitation from Jesus to saying he wants to set you free there. And so we pray. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me, leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will. Deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future. Deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past. Deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment. Deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth. Deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands. Deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement. Deliver me, Jesus. The next response are the, is the words, Jesus, I trust in you. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. 
that my suffering, united to your own, will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan, that you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you. That you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength that I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. That I am your beloved one. Heavenly Father, who leave the 99 to come just after us, please forgive us for the times we have done things in excess. Please fill each person here with your Holy Spirit to patiently grow in the virtue of temperance. Jesus, please, please help each person to remember your infinite mercy, which is always waiting for us in the confessional. Please remind us each day to pray the litany of trust so we can trust in you and help us when we are discouraged and frustrated. Help us and warn us when we are tempted to do something harmful in excess. And help us if we simply just don't know what to do so that we can begin or begin again in trusting you in little things and ultimately learn to trust you with everything and everyone. Amen.